What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here with Scale Up Show. I have an awesome CEO and founder, John Kazarian, on from Excel Events. This guy is on fire on LinkedIn, on top of it, he bootstrapped for close to seven years, uh, actually created his MVP off, off of uh, leveraging Upwork, and then on top of it, too, this had exponential growth, just recently took a round of funding after being bootstrapped for so long, and shares how to create a 95% word of mouth inbound engine and what he's doing to continue to grow the business. You're not going to want to miss it. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to The Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have John Kazarian, who is the founder and CEO of Excel Events, which is a leading virtual and hybrid event management platform. Recognizing the Inc. 5000 is one of the 200 fastest growing private companies in the U.S., John has a passion, resides out of Miami for anything on the water, sailing, boating, scuba, diving, and kiteboarding. The one thing I didn't ask you, John, is what's your favorite one about, out of all of those? I never asked you that on the advance. Sailing, but I don't have time for it anymore. <laughs> it's a big, big pull. Anyways, happy to have you on the show, man. Welcome. It was uh, it was nice meeting you live for a hot second. It's, it's good to be able to sit down with you and uh, chop up what you're doing because you're getting some amazing results. Yeah, yeah. That was a nice surprise when we got to meet a couple of weeks ago. Thanks for having yeah. me on. No problem, man. So let's do this. Let's do a real quick revenue rundown about you and where you're at right now. Sure. And then we'll back into kind of your journey on the way here. So where are you currently at in terms of your AR? Yeah, mid seven figures. Okay. So mid seven figures. Uh, what's your primary revenue growth go to market strategy? For us, it's been it's been word of mouth through our platform, right? There's just an inherent product led motion that that our platform provides, and that's been number one for us. Okay. And so would you say, I mean, is it, do you get all inbound then? Is that what you're saying? Like through, through the word of mouth motion or what, what, um, what are you seeing from that? Is it, yeah. Is our, our, our revenue is 95% inbound. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, that means you're definitely doing something right on the product side. If you're having, you know, that much of a take inbound. So that's awesome, man. Kudos to you. How big is your team? We are 26 in the States and just over 80 globally. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and then walk us through your solution exactly, because I know there's different virtual event platforms out there. We'd love to just hear about yours and like who you serve and then the outcomes it creates. Yeah, definitely. So we, you know, it's not just a virtual event platform, right? We cover the entire gamut, everything from badge printing and registration or on-site conferences and trade shows through uh, virtual events and, and webinars. Customers are companies like uh, Zapier. They actually have their Zap Connect event tomorrow. Uh, Solar Winds, even Carnival Cruises just did a uh, a four city hybrid event with about three thousand people. So right. again, really runs the gamut. The events they're everything from product launches to customer events to top of funnel brand awareness and, and marketing events. Fantastic, man. So and sorry about that. I didn't, I didn't mean to slight your solution of about just throwing you in the virtual event bucket. No, no worries. Cheapens what you're doing significantly. Um, all right, so we hit your team side, and then are you bootstrapped or are you backed? We were bootstrapped until the beginning of this year. Okay. Yeah. And then what made you cross over? I don't want to say the dark side because there, there's good, you know, VC backed companies and everything like that. Yeah. But what made you uh, switch switch kind of and cross over to that to the uh, investment side after being bootstrapped? So, 
Yeah, yeah. So, so we did a we did a five million dollars save. So it wasn't a huge, uh, you know, mega round. But there was a couple of factors that that came into play here. Having been a bootstrap business, we wanted to really add more corporate governance. So there was there was an individual that Peter Bell that uh, that that I met really got along well with him, liked him, and thought he'd be a great addition to the team. So he joined us on the board and helping us to, to implement some more of that corporate governance. The other aspect, though, is that in the world of events, there's a lot of seasonality. So mm-hmm. as our OPEX grows, it just takes more cash to float. And we don't want to have to pigeonhole our, our, our growth just to be able to cover, be able to float through the slower summer man, months in the, in the middle of the winter. Ah, that totally makes sense, man. Okay, so how long were you bootstrapped for? Because we didn't we didn't chat about this either. So I was just wrapping my head around that. How long how long were you bootstrapped for? So technically bootstrapped of almost seven years, but wow. of that period of time, I started the business in 2015. I actually didn't go full time with the business until 2020. I was building it nights and weekends for the first five years. Wow. Good so we you, were, man. you know, I was I was uh, self employed and bootstrapped for about two years. Wow. So how did you build the company? And this will get into your backstory because like you were doing it for, for five years, right? Um, on nights and weekends, you're building it. I looked at your background. It didn't really look like you had a tech background, right? It looks like you're more on the no, why not? So walk us through that, man. Unravel uh, how you made that happen because that's, that's a very unique path that most people haven't taken. So I was always really into events from college on and had been thrown a ton of different types of events. But in 2014, I found out that my cousin at the age of 17 got diagnosed with cancer and I wanted to do something for her. Thought about running the marathon, but given that I'd been hosting events and parties and whatnot, realized I could raise a hell of a lot more money if I, if I hosted a fundraiser. So I went down to the aquarium in Boston where I was living at the time, put my credit card down and, uh, and rented out the whole venue. I had to sell 185 tickets to break even, basically to be able to pay my bill. Um, but we ended up getting 840 people to that first event. And going into it, realized that in part, the, in the age of the demographic, the tech focus, we were going to be able to raise a lot more money if we ran the auction and the raffle digitally. And I looked around for solutions, and there just wasn't anything that was either affordable or good, and ultimately decided to work with a friend and build our own. So we did that. We got great feedback from the organization we put the event on for, from the attendees, and built a business around that, offering that to other organizations and volunteers like myself. But as we did that, we then started to realize that there was, frankly, a lot more challenges when it came to the tech that was used to to run events. And we started to focus more heavily on the for-profit space, conferences, trade shows, and whatnot. And that that really was the progression into what the company is today. That's our bread and butter. We don't really do much in the fundraising world anymore. So mm-hmm. we went down that path and really just built the company around this idea of technology should be there to make life easier, not harder for event organizers. If we can help them get an extra 15 minutes of sleep the night before their event, we're doing our job. Yeah. It's, I mean, I imagine you're probably giving them a lot more than 15 minutes of extra sleep based on what you're talking about. So, yeah. um, so yeah, that, I mean, that's awesome, man. Obviously, it's rooted in good nature to do that. Um, for someone who's struggling, right, to do that fundraiser, your cousin, I think that's awesome. And um, I guess, so you you kind of glossed over it or you kind of hit over it. So your, your friend helped you build out the tech solution. And then did you just work on the, the marketing and the productization? And like, I guess, like, what was your kind of role in constructing it on the nights and weekends? Um, 
outcomes. I mean, just walk me through that. It'd be great to hear. Yeah, yeah. So like any good tech movie, there was a friend of a friend who helped with the very first iteration of the tech. As soon as it was successful, he told me he was keeping the code. <laughs> Seriously? Yes. So I went through that whole debacle for, you know, all of 36 hours before saying, well, you know, whatever. When it's not about just that little bit of code, it's about building a business. So I went and uh, I actually went on Upwork and I found somebody else and we worked together and we built something else, something better. And from there, I just realized I had to basically become self-taught in, in the tech world. For the, you know, the very beginning, I was writing some really, really bad code. Uh, but then I got really heavily involved in the architecture side, like the okay. AWS engineering, because in, you know, in the world of events, you don't have that steady load. It's not like something like a CRM. You just have this, this spike traffic. And um, it became, frankly, really interesting figuring out how to make all of that work and be stable and scalable. So that became a big part of where I was spending my time and figuring things out while also trying to figure out how to build a business around it. That's awesome, man. So is that person your co-founder today or the Upwork person or no? That was just like a kind of a transactional? No. So that was transactional. And we worked with that person for about a year. We ended up rebuilding the entire thing again a year later. And that's still the code base we use today. But I did have a co-founder for the first four years of the business. Really good friend of mine. I was at his wedding this summer. But there came a point when we were both working full time where he had an opportunity in his job that he wanted to pursue. And uh, he came to me and you know, expressed that and and we went our separate ways. And that was fine. Okay. Maintain the relationship. So it was actually a really fortunate outcome and one that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that we have. Yeah. So, I mean, still have a good relationship and everything like that to be able right. to do that. So, okay. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's definitely a unique path. And so what would you say is, was your biggest struggle along the way? Biggest struggle along the way. Well, after spending five plus years building this company around events and then watching the world shut down in March of 2020, everything I had built disappeared, evaporated overnight. And it wasn't just that our revenue went to zero. With the refunded transaction fees, our, our revenue actually went negative. So we were in a pretty tough spot. And at that point, it was, you know, again, it was like everything I, I built just disappeared from me. But we had this conviction that technology was going to continue to play a bigger and bigger role in events going forward. So we had already been building towards what you know today gets labeled as, as hybrid events. We'd already been going down that path. So we basically said, okay, we've got one shot here. Let's double down and go all in on virtual events, taking what we had already built. And, uh, and we did. And we went from doing 375K in revenue in 2019 to doing 3.4 million in 2020. Wow. That's awesome, man. Props to you for powering through and doing that. Um, I, I guess like, and, and that's one of the things like you never hear about it in all the press clippings or anything like that. Like of you just hear the end result, right? You just hear the amazing end result, like the, uh, the baseball card stat or whatnot. Like I was telling you about like, oh, this person did this, this person did that. Like, how did you have that conviction? Right? Like, emotionally, like to see everything that you're doing burn to the ground, right? You got so like you kind of got screwed over the first time. Then you're like, all right, we got this, we're rolling, things are heading the right direction. Then you go negative on revenue, like mentally, like, I guess, like, how did you work your way through that? Because it's that's what a lot of people don't talk about. Frankly, it wasn't really 
it's not like I had an option. It was either dead or alive. It's not binary. So it didn't take very much convincing. <laughs> so yeah, that's right. It didn't take a minute. Yeah, it's dead or alive on that. And then like, what did you do? Like, did you look to someone for help for that? Did you work harder? I mean, like, what was the, uh, how did mechanically did you work it, work your way through that? Well, fortunately, I wasn't allowed out of my house, so I had plenty of time to work on it. Um, but I did, I did convince my dad to invest 75K out of his retirement so that we'd have a chance to pivot. And uh, it was an even harder conversation because it was right after S&P tanked 30%. Um, but I was fortunate that I was able, you know, he had the means to do that and I was able to convince him that, that it would work out. So, uh, so I guess going back to your point, yeah, I did have conviction that we would be able to make it work. Yeah, I mean, so it's funny. I had a kind of a similar story. Um, so I was, I was kind of, I don't know, I was ready to move on from my former employer. So I started working on my own thing. Um, and this was in late 2019, 2020, early 2020. And I communicated to them that I was, however, it got kind of rebrought to their attention that I was. And so they're like, all right, this was in March. This was like March, 2020, right when everything shut down, right when, you know, like, shit started to hit the fan, right? And they're like, okay, well, you have to quit anything else you're doing outside of here. Um, otherwise, you can't work here anymore. And this is like March 30th, right? And I'm like, well, they're like, you have to sign something. I'm like, well, let me see what you want to talk about first, and then we'll, we'll figure it out, right? And then we brought in a really large deal worth like a million dollars in profit. And then the next day, they're like, well, we had a board meeting and you can't work here anymore, right? So it was like March 31st. So next thing you know, I remember I literally had a discussion with my parents because like same thing, like I saw about, like everything just tank. Right. And then there's for the first time in a long time, like I had no income coming in. Um, and so basically had that talk with my parents. My parents are like, here, here's a check that you could have and, and use it. Don't worry. You don't have to repay me. And like, I'm like, so what I did is as motivation, I had that check. Right. I kept it in the envelope and I'm like. I don't want to use this money for my parents, right? I don't want to use it. I want to fight my way through it, right? And it was in my, like, right where I get coffee every morning. And I open up and I saw it and just had my name on it. I never had to use that check, which was, like, gratifying. Awesome. So, so anyways, man, I, I wasn't saying that to say, like, you know, I, I didn't use the money. But my point is, like, I went through that situation, that emotional experience where you're like, oh, shit, the whole world's crashing down. Like, it was, like, the highest point of uncertainty in terms of, like, what was going on in, in the world that... I experienced and I went through 2000 and 2008 as well. But um, anyways, so I appreciate it that you, uh, you, you got that commitment, you worked through it and you made it happen in one of the worst economic times. So props it was to you. Uh, a very emotional roller coaster year, but, but also at the same time, it was moving so fast that like, I never even had a second to slow down and like, look at what was happening. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. 
So let, let's let's fast forward a little bit because I know you've had some explosive growth in terms of the revenue that you've had and and you've grown predominantly through word of mouth. So like, how do you create that word of mouth engine where you're just in that 95% inbound engine? Because that's one of the things that's really, really hard to do. And once again, a lot of people gloss over it, don't pay attention, but how do you do that? Well, a couple of things. One, the 95% word of mouth inbound might mean that we need to be doing more on the outbound front, which is why you and I need to chat later. <laughs> but that aside, we've done it much through our customer experience team. So instead of investing in marketing off the bat, we invested and frankly did this from when we launched the business, but invested very heavily in supporting our customers. And I think it was in part because not the first year I did the event when I launched my own tech, but the second year for that same fundraiser I put on, the the tech that we were using, we had about 100 people on our wait list and the platform broke. And it's a company that's now a publicly traded ticketing registration company today. It broke and it cost that organization at least 10 grand that I was putting this charity on for, for a cause that was so close to me. And it's devastating, right? So... And I couldn't get a hold of anybody. So, so at this point, I realized, okay, if we're going to do this, we need to be there. Because in the world of events, there's a sense of urgency that you're not going to find anywhere else. Yeah, maybe ER doctors and you know, military, but not in SaaS. So there was times in 2016 where I'd be on the highway on a Saturday night and pull over on the side of the road to respond to a customer. My co-founder and I, we would literally alternate who could go on date night on Friday and Saturday night so we'd be available to, to deal with customers because events take place on weekend nights. So that was the beginning. But then as we started to really take off, the area that we were hiring most aggressively was our customer experience team. And today, our meeting and response time on chat is 23 seconds. So if somebody goes to our website and, and sends us a message, they're going to get a response from a real person in less than 30 seconds. And that gives people confidence. And when it comes to events and event tech, they need that confidence. That led to the word of mouth that we saw. Well, yeah, I mean, 23 second response time average. That's, that's fantastic. Because like, you're right. I mean, I've been in a ton of events over the years. And like, people freak the hell out when something doesn't oh, yeah. go to plan at events. Like, and, and like, I, like, I was telling you that one of the uh, women that I'm friends with who runs events, she was telling me about like Dreamforce. And she's like, if you want to put put on like Dreamforce, like that's one person's job. That's the entire year. That's all they think about. They think about nothing else. It's all leading up to that week. And in, now, Grant, Dreamforce is an extreme example, right? I promise you, it's more than one person's job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Probably yeah, 100. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's more than one person's job. I should say, one person leading the charge on that. And that's every single second of the year is yep. what they're thinking about for that. So. Um, so yeah, so point is, is when stuff goes bad, yeah, everybody freaks out. And, I've been and people's jobs are on the line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So massive, or I should say rapid response. What else, like customer experience, like what kind of framework did you look at creating to create an amazing customer experience? Because I think that's that's one of the things that like accelerates word of mouth and creates an amazing engine of, of growth in the business. So like, What's your framework kind of like step-by-step step if you had to break it apart? Yeah, so I don't know if I can necessarily put this in the lens of, of a framework, but more so in like some of the ways that we thought about how we wanted to approach customer, customer experience. And there's being there whenever we're needed. There's the proactive part. There's having great content. There's 
you know, education within the product. There's customer events and experiences for our customers to interact and learn from each other. But the other part of it is just them feeling like we're essentially an extension of their team. And what that ends up turning into is when they have an idea or feedback on the product, they don't feel like they're submitting a ticket. They feel like they're having a conversation with somebody who gets it and who cares. And that leads to this incredible feedback cycle with our product team and our engineering team that allowed us to iterate really, really quickly and just make the product so much better. And that in turn also leads to, to word of mouth. And it leads to word of mouth of customers talking about how we're actually taking their feedback and adopting it. The other part of it is we're not just thinking about our customer as that, that single stakeholder of the person who's paying us, but the second degree customer as well. And in our case, that's the attendee, it's speakers on the platform, it's exhibitors and sponsors on the platform. Because at the end of the day, our job is to help our first degree customer, the organizer, to create a great experience so that all of those other stakeholders, right? Like one event, a thousand attendees, we want all of them to recognize that they can create a great experience on our platform as well. And that actually in itself was a, and continues to be a massive channel for us because they're experiencing it firsthand. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's gotta be a great, so like engine for you, I guess like, so have you been able to map to those growth metrics? Cause I, I would think you might be able to do it, but at the same time, it might be hard in terms of like how much come from like, say a sponsor versus speaker versus an attendee. Like, like what do those metrics look like that want to use you after participating in a event? Yeah. So for, um, for a while, and I haven't looked at this metric in the past couple of months, but we had 24% of our uh, product led coming from exhibitors. So people who exhibited or sponsored an event on our platform, they went through our webinar weekly training sessions. They interacted with our team, saw how responsive we are and how they could actually generate leads and value out of using the platform. And then when they go to host their own event, we're the natural direction that they turn. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So shifting gears. So I guess like what, what would you say, John, like if you had a map, map to it or identify it, what would you say is your single best strategy for, for growing a business that you could take from everything that you've learned over the past 10, 15 years? Single best strategy. Hire people that are better than you at what they do. Yeah. I know it's cliche, but it's, it's the reality. I mean, you can only scale yourself so far. It's really hard though. I will say this. It's really hard to give things up when you've done them for five years. Yeah. You have an opinion. I have an opinion about a lot of things because I've done not necessarily well, but I've done some aspect of each of those different roles. So is there, which I think that makes sense. And yeah, it's a little cliche, right? But like, how do you find those people? Well, I can tell you in the case of the CX team, uh, the first probably 18 people that joined that team, half of them were referrals from existing, existing employees. Oh, nice. Okay. So that, that, you know, that's a good channel there, but it's, uh, I mean, it's obviously about being diligent about the hiring process, not hiring too fast, uh, figuring out, you know, as quickly as possible if somebody's going to be a good fit or not. Do you, and do you, I'll uh, say we didn't always get that right. And, uh, that's something that I'm continuing to learn from. So do you interview for values? Do you integrate values in your interview process, like the value system that people have? 
Yeah, we try to, but uh, I'll be again fully transparent here. I have been wrong a couple of times and I still don't know exactly how to figure that out. I mean, it's hard to really get to know somebody, especially fully virtually when you're, you know, you're only getting to interact with them for a couple of hours. Yeah, it's true. Okay. So we're almost up on time. I guess one of the things like we've obviously talked about a lot of the things that are working well and, and what you've accelerated in, what would you say is like your, your single biggest challenge in growing the business kind of to the next level right now that you're running into? Well, there's a lot of things going on in the market right now that obviously, you know, make things uh, more interesting and more challenging for us right now. We're trying to figure out how to make the outbound motion work. And we're starting to see some early success with that, but it's a learning opportunity for us because over the past two years, so much of what we've done has been inbound. And as we continue to move up market, we want to make sure that that channel is viable for us. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of opportunity and high ACV deals are really like you could scale inbound only so much. And then eventually you, you got to get in their ear a different way. And so um, there's probably a lot of opportunities for you to do that based on your all the positive feedback that you had, like we were talking about for referrals or other things by scaling that. So, right. um, okay, well, we're just about up on time. So John, where can people find you? Where can they learn more about Excel events? And then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, definitely. So uh, best way to find me is on, on LinkedIn. It's Jake Kazarian on LinkedIn, uh, talking about events pretty much every day there. But uh, to find more about the company, it's excelevents.com, A-C-C-E-L events.com. Send us a message in the chat. Let us know you heard about us on a podcast. If you don't hear back from us in 30 seconds, then definitely find me on LinkedIn and tell me about it. <laughs> and I'm going to give John some props for his uh, LinkedIn game because uh, I've seen some of his posts and uh, I'm not going to lie. Some people post on there and they suck. And John does not suck. He does a great job on the LinkedIn uh, platform. His posts are very entertaining and informative at the same time. So we'll we'll prop we'll props you on that, man. I didn't tell you about that before. I want to save that as a little surprise, a little plug at the end for you. Um, But anyways, thanks for being on the show, man. It was awesome having you on. Congrats on your success and congrats on your perseverance. Of uh, I've never heard anybody like talking about going negative and then powering through to the level that you're at right now. So congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.